Please be taking out your Bibles tonight and turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to spend quite a bit of time there tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to take a look tonight at a very, very familiar text. But before we get done, we're going to apply it or take a look at it from a little bit different angle than we typically do. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want us to start with verse 12. He's talked in verses 1 through 11 about the gifts that are given to different members of the church and all of that. And in verse 12 he says, Paul writing to the church of Christ in 1st century Corinth says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Many times in the New Testament, as we're all aware of, Christ's church is illustrated as a human body. A human body, Christ is the head, the church is his body. And the individual members of his church, his body, throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, individual members of his body are all shown as working together, connected to one another, interactive parts or members of his body, which is the church. They're all shown as individual members, like a human body, that are connected together and take their orders from the head, just like our human bodies function because they do what our brain tells us to. I'm standing up here moving my arms around. Well, if my brain had not told my body how to do that, then I'd be standing here like this instead. You see, you've got to be connected to the head. Scripture shows us this over and over again. Ephesians 1, and 3 says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Colossians 1.18 speaks of Jesus and it says, He is the head of the body, the church. Colossians 1.24, Paul says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. We cannot read through the scriptures, we cannot say we believe the scriptures and miss this point. Pretty simple. Christ to his church is like a head to a body. That's how it is described throughout. And in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12, we see this idea as well. And in fact, in the, most of the rest of this chapter, we're going to see this idea played out and shown in more detail. 1 Corinthians 12, next two verses, 13 and 14. For by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. That is the one church. We know that from Ephesians 1, 22 and 3. We just read it. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. When we are baptized into Christ, when we are baptized for the forgiveness of our sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Acts 2.38, God adds us to the church. Acts 2 and verse 47. 
We are added to His body. We become a member of His body, which is the church. You say, well, we knew that. Stay with me. I know this is familiar territory. We're going somewhere that isn't that I think will be very useful to some of you. So, after saying that in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, he's going on to illustrate what he just said in 14. The body's not one member, but many. He illustrates it thus, verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? This section of scripture that we just read, verses 15 through 19, Paul is kind of devoting it or using it for those church members who feel, hey, I can't do what so-and-so can do, therefore I'm not as valuable as so-and-so to the body. And Paul said, no, that's not true at all. If the hand should say to the eye, or the eye to the ear, or the ear to the foot, or the foot to the hand, I'm not that member, so I'm insignificant, I'm not part of the body. Paul says, no, 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 you've got that all wrong. Every part is essential to do what it was designed to do by God for the goodness of the body overall. You see that? It's just like a, it's like a sports team. If you've got, this morning we talked about baseball. If you've got an entire team of baseball players that are only pitchers, you're never going to win a game because they can't hit, <laughs> generally speaking. If you've got an entire football team that is simply linemen or kickers, they're never going to run the ball, they're never going to receive the ball, they're never going to win a game. Every portion, every different talent and ability is essential to make the whole thing work. And so that's kind of what this section of the body discussion here is about. Now, we move on to the next two verses. Verse 20 and particularly 21. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. This is the verse I really want to focus on tonight. Verse 21. How we usually, typically, ordinarily seem to apply verse 21 is this. Okay? That a member of the body who's in good standing, a member of the body can't say to some other member, you know what, we can do without you. I can't say to another person, well, you know what, if you don't show up, no big deal. We're fine, we're better off without you. That, that's kind of how we use that. One of us can't say about another one that they're not just as worthy as we are. Okay, And so we, we preach and teach it kind of from that angle. But here's what I want you to consider tonight. I want you to look at this totally differently. A church member 
who has stopped worshiping. A church member who doesn't come to worship services anymore. Who has set themselves apart. I want you to think of it, instead of a member in here, one of us saying to somebody else, well, you're not all that important anyway, so no big deal. Instead of looking at it like we typically do, and we shouldn't be doing that either, I want us to think about it from the perspective of that person who has severed themselves from the body. God says to the Apostle Paul that that member who has separated themselves from the body cannot say to the other members, I don't need you to get to heaven. See it from the different perspective? You see, I know that one or more of you are trying to work with somebody in the community who says basically, I can get to heaven without the church. I don't have to go to church, be a part of the church in order to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. By the way, how many, other, how many of you have heard that from somebody? I don't need the church to get to heaven. All I need is Jesus. Okay. I've heard it too recently. And this is the verse we've got to understand. Those folks cannot say, I don't need you and you and you. I don't need to meet with you and you and you. I don't need to meet with the church to get to heaven. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Somebody cannot stand outside. Stop coming to church, who's a member of the church, and say, you know what? I don't need the church. I have no need of you eyes and feet, and I have no need of you. I'm connected to the head, I'm connected to Christ, and I don't need you. The Word of God says that absolutely cannot happen. It is not possible. Period. Also, if the foot, we're all different members, the foot, the finger, the eye, the ear, if the foot or the finger or the ear, that body member, that church member who has severed themselves from the rest of the body, the church, they don't come anymore, if that individual member has amputated itself and is sitting out there even in the midst of a beautiful savanna, or floating away on a calm lake on a Sunday morning, because we've all heard people say, well, you know, I can go out in the woods on Sunday morning, it's just the same as being in church. Well, I can go out on the lake Sunday morning, it's beautiful, and I can praise God for the sun, it's the same thing. Let me, again, that member who has severed themselves from the body of Christ, and is out there floating around on a lake all by themselves, a severed hand, a severed eyeball, a severed finger, whatever they are, that whatever member they are, they have severed themselves to the body, and they're out there floating around on the water, or they're out in the middle of this beautiful savanna, are they alive? Is an amputated hand laying on the forest or savanna floor alive by itself? Is it? No, it's dead. As a matter of fact, it's probably going to get eaten by a predator. Think about it. An alligator, a wolf, or a lion. If you've got a, a, a member of the body, a hand, that's laying out there on the forest floor all by itself, it can't defend itself. It cannot benefit the body by helping the body bring food to the mouth. If the hand is laying there and it severed itself from the body of Christ and it's just laying there, it can't help the body, right? It can't bring food. It can't help to ward off predators because it's just a dead hand. It's not connected. Well, not only that, 
but it can't be benefited by the other members of the body either. If you've got a body member, we'll say a hand that's not been severed from the body, and this hand gets cold, guess what? The rest of the body, put a glove on it, right? Tuck it under your arm to keep it warm, right? The body protects its members that hurt. That's what we're supposed to do, right? But a, a severed member by itself can't do that. But here's the most important thing I want us to think about. Get a visual. I'm going to give you one, get another one. Most importantly, is that foot or finger or body member who has chosen to sever itself or separate itself from the rest of the church or the rest of the body, is that member still connected to the head? People say, well, I can, I, all I need is Jesus. I don't need the church. Folks, when you sever yourself from the body, and the body is still hooked to the head, are we as the body of Christ still connected to Christ, the head? So when you separate yourself from the body that is connected to the head, guess what that does to your connection to the head? It ain't there no more. Let me show you this way. And I know those that are going to hear this on the internet or disc, they're not going to see this, but if they go to the internet, they will see a picture of this eagle with tonight's sermon. It's a little Lego eagle. It's really cool. The wings go back. Eh? I had fun putting this together. Yes, it's mine. It's not Landon's, okay? <laughs> the legs bend, the claws come down, but here's the thing I want you to see. Can you all see this little eagle? See this little Lego eagle? See? Okay? You can put his wings down, you can do whatever you want. Okay, here's the deal. If this foot right here says, I don't want anything to do with the body. I'm done with the body. I don't want anything to do with the body. I'm staying way over there. I'm not coming in with the body anymore. I'm not coming to church. I'm not connected to the body. I want nothing to do with the church. Is the church still connected to the head? Is the body still connected to the head? Yes. Can that leg that don't want to be part of the body be connected to the head? No. It's way over there, isn't it? So when a member says, I don't want to be part of the body, guess what they're saying? I'm severing myself from Christ, too. There's no other way to look at it. Because the only other way you could do that would be to break the head off from the church and go stick this foot up under its chin. Doesn't work that way, does it? Brethren, this is crucial. When a person says, I'm not coming to church, I don't need to be part of the body, and they sever themselves from the body that is still hooked to the head, and they think they're still hooked to the head, they're wrong. just what the Apostle Paul goes on to talk about in the next few verses. Look at verse 22, 1 Corinthians 12. No much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. Watch this, that there should be no schism critical word, schism, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. There can be no schism in the body. Do you know what a schism is? The word schism comes from a Greek word, schizo, which means to cleave. It means meat cleaver, right? You know what I'm talking about? 
God says there can be no cleavering, no schism, no divide in the body. And when that part separates itself from the rest of the body, it has done exactly what God said don't do. It has cleavered itself, it has schismed itself from the body. And when it does that, it is no longer connected to the head because it is only the body that is connected to the head. God says there should be no schism, there should be no separating oneself from the body, there should be no cleavering oneself away from the body. No amputating oneself. That cannot be in the church. There's a lot of other passages that back this eternal truth up. Let's look at a few of them. Colossians 2, would you please? From here on out for the rest of the lesson, we're just going to validate that and strengthen it a little bit. Colossians 2, it's the same idea. Verse 18, would you please turn there? Colossians 2 and verse 18. He says, Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. What I want you to see in this passage, number one in verse 18, people can be vainly puffed up by their fleshly mind. They can convince themselves that somehow if they do sever themselves from the body of Christ, the church of Christ, that somehow they're still connected to the head. But that's not even possible. But they have fooled themselves vainly puffed up by their fleshly mind. The only way that they can hold fast to the head is to hold fast to the body that's holding fast to the head. Do you see that in that next verse in 19? From whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase. That is from God. Turn with me to Ephesians, please, chapter 4. And I do intend to ask you, those of you that are here Wednesday night for our evangelism class, what is the cornerstone passage for our evangelism class? And it is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Please notice in this passage, let's read it again. And he gave some, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Folks, it is the trickery of men they have tricked themselves when they believe that they can separate themselves from the body and still be connected to the head. Because only the church is connected to Christ. They have fooled themselves. But, speaking the truth in love, we are to verse 15, grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, watch this, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body. Does verse 16 sound like to you that we can somehow be separated from the church and still be a part of all that Christ is? No, we can't. It's not even biblically possible. In verses 17 through 24, 
he goes on to tell them that they've got to change their behavior. And look at verse 23. He tells them how that's done. By being renewed in the spirit of your mind. We have got to change people's mind. They have got to understand that they've got to be in the church and part of the church, which is connected to the head, if they're going to maintain their connection to the head. Romans chapter 12. Please turn there. Romans chapter 12, and I know I'm giving a Bible study to some of you who need it, and I hope you're taking notes to talk with some of these folks and references to give them. Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, same story. You get this no matter where you turn in the New Testament, you're going to find something along these lines if you look far enough. For as we have many members in one body, here we go again, but all the members do not have the same function, just what he talked about, 1 Corinthians 12. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Individually members of one another. Does that sound like a verse to you where it's just fine if we're separated from one another totally? Does it? No. We are members of one another. When I do this with my hands... There is, a, there is a brain signal that is going to my hands. My muscles are working together. If you don't think so, go ahead and break your pinky and you'll learn and understand real quick that it takes a whole lot to do this. This isn't just something you do. Okay? The ligaments, the tendons, the muscles, the signals, the blood, everything's got to work together. If I cut my hand off, it won't do this. They all work together. We are part of one another. Now some of us may say, well, I ain't a part of that brother or sister because he and I just don't like it. God says you're a part of them. Do with it what you will. God says we are individually members of one another. You see, when I put this leg back on this eagle... You see this part here? Well, you probably can't see it, but that part there works with that part, and that part works with that part, and between it all, it holds it all together, and it will stand it up here just as nice as you please. Why? Because it's balanced, it's all working together. The pieces are all hooked together the way they go, just the way the church works. Turn to me to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting verse 12. Paul writes to the church in 1st century Corinth, the Lord's church there, about communion. We know we come together to take communion on the first day of the week, the way they did in the scripture. And for somebody to say, well, I don't need to be there to do that. I don't need to be part of the church. I don't need to worship. Paul says, yeah, you do. It's all part of this being one, one body. 1st Corinthians 10, verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. That sets the tone for these next couple of verses. The cup of blessing which we bless right here on Sundays, first day of the week. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. 
He said that when we come together to take of the bread and the fruit of the vine, we're showing that we're all one, that we're all hooked together, that we're all connected to the head, that we're one with Christ, that we're one with one another, that we're part of this body of Christ that is connected to the head. So somebody says, well, I don't need to be a part of that. Are they connected to Christ? Are they? No. They're not. Not according to this. Because you see, all the members and all the parts need to take of communion. This is where the life is in the blood. And, and I want to key in on how important it is that we are part of this. And we can't be out there and separate ourselves from the body from a few other verses. Look at me in Acts 2. In Acts 2, where the church was established and they repented and were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and the Lord added them to the church, it says, as we know so well, in verse 41, those who gladly received His word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added. Okay, what did they do? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Folks, you can't go out there and say, I don't need the church to get to heaven. I'm not, I don't need to be part of the body. I don't need to come to worship. Because that ain't what the church is. He says right here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Didn't they? Is that what it says? They devoted themselves to... You know what fellowship means? It means this, this being one with one another. The breaking of bread, they devoted themselves to it. They were devoted every Lord's Day. They were together breaking bread. Hebrews chapter 10. Please turn there. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. In verse 19, talking about our gratitude. And I've appreciated the prayers that have been said today and just this overall environment today just seems keyed in on just how awesome God is maybe a little bit more intensely than than we do some Sundays and, and I have enjoyed that but look what it says here <clears throat> Hebrews 10 19 therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest of the blood I'm sorry to enter the holiest or the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near how, brethren if we're grateful for what Christ did how can we help but draw near when we get as far away as we possibly can from the church the body that he saved and we sever ourselves from that saved body and we're not here to celebrate and be one with him how does that show that we're grateful for what he did for us and he says let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. If you're not coming to church for yourself, come to help and encourage somebody else. Come mostly for God, but come to encourage and stir somebody else up to love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. If ever there was a command that says, you can't sever yourself from the body and be okay and still be hooked to the head, this is it. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Does that sound like an individual thing? No. You can't get away from this. We have to come together. And it's a sin, verses 26 and following, if we don't. Matter of fact, look at that word in verse 25. 
together. Together. Not apart. Together. Do you know how many times the word together appears for the church in the New Testament? Think with me for just a minute. Go back to Acts 2. And think of this word together. Because again, some people say, hey, I don't need to gather with the church. I can stay over there somewhere. And I'm still connected to the head. No, you're not. Look at the word together. Go back to Acts 2. We've already read how once they were saved, verse 41, they continued steadfastly in those four things, especially the fellowship and the breaking of bread as it relates to this sermon. Okay? What else did they do? Verse 44. Now all who believed were together. Together. Not away from one another. You can't be away from one another and be connected head. You can't be away from one another and be together. You're either together or you ain't together. This one says they were together. Go with me in your Bible to Acts 4, verses 31 through 35. Acts 4, verses 31 through 35. Read as follows. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled, how? Together. They prayed together. Not out in the field on Sunday morning. Not out in the forest. Not out on Keystone Lake. That's not what they, they were praying together. Was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Does that sound like they were separating themselves from one another? Does it? No. They were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Guess what? Great grace was upon them all because they were all together. They were being strengthened by one another, encouraged by one another. They were praying together. God was with them. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as he had need. You know what they were doing? The hand was bringing food to the mouth. The feet were going to where the, the warm, dry clothes were when they were cold. The body was helping itself. It was taking care of itself. All the parts working together. And if there was a severed hand laying out there in the field that was dead, lifeless, useless, and not doing the body any good, and not having any done, good done for it by the body. Acts 20, we know from verses 7 and 8 of Acts 20, once again we'd see the word together. It's all about together, not apart. Acts 20, verses 7 and 8. On the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. In 1 Corinthians, I'm going to give you a list of references. Just listen. In 1 Corinthians 11, 18, 20, and 33, as well as 14, 23, and 26, we learn that they came together as a church in one place to eat of the communion and for teaching and edification. 1 Corinthians 11, 18, 20, and 33, as well as 14, 23, and 6. All of these say they came together to do this. They were part of one another. That's the only way they were connected to the head. Finally, before we close. I 
Do you know that we learn from Ephesians chapter 2 that salvation, hear me close, salvation itself is an altogether or not at all thing. Did you know that? Now, I know we're all individually saved based on our own. I, I understand it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. That when we look in Ephesians 2, we see that all of us together who are in Christ, and that's up to us individually, are all together in what Christ did for us and in our eternity. Look, look for yourself. Look in Ephesians 2. Don't mistake what I said. I saw one bum-fuzzled look there. Don't mistake what I said. But look at the word together in this text. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Start at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now, if we have been made alive together with Christ, that means that we're attached to the head, right? He's the head of the church, right? So if we're made alive together with Christ, that means we're attached to the head. But look at the rest of it. And raised us up. How? Together. You and me. See, this is a together kind of thing. Yes, it's an individual thing, whether or not we repent. Yes, it's an individual thing, whether or not we are baptized and get into Christ. Yes, it is an individual thing, whether we stay faithful or not. But don't miss the word together. He raised us up, it says, to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The word together happens twice in verse 6. He raised us up together, made us sit together. One of the biggest mysteries to me on the face of the planet is this. Karen and I just, we were out, <clears throat> I think it's down when we went to Dorothy's memorial service. We went through this one little town. They got three different little churches of Christ. A lot of times you drive through town, you'll see two or three different churches of Christ. Not because they're all so big and flourishing that there's no room in their building, but they just can't seem to get along together. What makes us think that we're all going to sit together in heaven if we can't get along down here in Christ? What makes us think? Do you think that when we die, we're going to have a personality change and we're going to become, a, we're not going to become a different personality. We are going to be who it was Lazarus and the rich man after death. Were they the same personality they were before death? So what makes us think that each little congregation is going to have its own place and if we can't get along in our little towns, that we're going to get along and be seated? This passage says... He raised us up together and made us sit together. Can you imagine somebody getting heaven on Judgment Day? Jesus says, there you are. I ain't sitting next to that brother. That won't be heaven, that'll be earth. <laughs> so much of this is a together thing. Verses 19 through 22. Now therefore you're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Does that sound like we can be separated from the church? No. We are being, look at verse 21. We are being fitted together and growing, growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together. How many times does Ephesians 2 have to contain the word together before somebody understands that you've got to be together, you've got to be part of the body in order to still be connected to the head? 
Finally, Philippians 1.27 says this. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We cannot stand firm together without the together. If we are going to stand firm, we need both the legs in place. Listen. I completely understand why people are fed up with organized religion. I really do. Watch the televangelist for 10 minutes if you can stand it. I understand why people are fed up with organized religion and all the hypocrisy and all the greed and all the lavish lifestyles that accompany religious big business today. I get it. But that's not what we're talking about. The simple fact of the matter is, is that according to the Word of God that we have covered tonight, a person cannot stay away from the church, not have anything to do with the church, which is the body, and still maintain a relationship with the head because the relationship with the head is connected to the body and if you're not connected to the body you're not connected to the head and if you're not connected to the body and if you're not meeting with the body and worshiping with the body contributing to the body being taken care of by the body working like ligaments and joints are supposed to then you know what you are you're just a severed amputated spiritually dead and disconnected body or church member that has no hope except to reattach yourself to the church and in fact if anybody hears this lesson wherever it may go out to and still thinks otherwise then they're only proving the point of the lesson because they're not listening to the lordship and the leadership of Jesus Christ it's not my words his we have to help people out there understand that if they think they have a relationship with Jesus Christ but they refuse to have a relationship in worship and work with the church then they're wrong you can't be connected to the head unless you're connected to the body which is connected to the head it's what the scripture says I didn't write it I just read it tonight if there's anybody here who's not a member of the Lord's Church, you've never repented and been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You need to be part of the body. You need to be working with the body. You need to be helping to care for the body as the body helps to take care of you. You need to become a body or church member. And if you have any friends or relatives or family that thinks that somehow they got a relationship with Jesus but they don't want anything that they abhor the church they abhor the body but they think they're connected to the head you need to pray for the right words to try to reach those people because they're wrong and I'm not trying to be holier than now or self-righteous Jesus told people he said you're wrong you don't know the scriptures I'll leave it at that the lesson is yours tonight if you'd be baptized into the body of Christ or if you need the prayers of the body please come to the front as we stand and sing